While the healthcare industry is typically slow to adopt new and innovative technologies, the fast-growing acceptance and use of conversational artificial intelligence is apparent and exciting. During this episode, Nate Trelore, president and COO of Orbita and a conversational AI expert, joins us on the podcast to share where the technology is and how it's currently impacting healthcare today and where Nate sees the technology taking the industry in the future. Join us for an ear-opening conversation powered by two real humans as we discuss the impact conversational artificial intelligence is having on our industry and in our lives. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Hi, Nate. Welcome to the podcast, and thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, Mike. It's great to be joining you here in such an esteemed production. Well, I'm looking forward to diving into your team's amazing work at Orbita, Nate, and moving the healthcare industry forward. But before we dive in, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Clubhouse in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Nate, it's almost time for our community to learn how Orbita is powering virtual health assistants that help healthcare organizations engage patients, improve outcomes, and reduce costs. But first, I'm going to randomly select an icebreaker question so we can get to know you personally. Let's see what comes up. Ooh, we're talking travel. And I know we can't do it right now. We're locked down in a pandemic. That's, you know, hmm. we're doing our part. But where is your favorite place on earth and why? Oh, that's uh, a good one. I will have to say, well, I would normally say on top of pretty much any mountain. I used to be a pretty avid mountaineer. But I'm going to pick a particular mountain, which is Mount Mananoc, which is about an hour from my house in southern New Hampshire. And anybody who's lived in New England will be familiar with it. It's one of the most climbed mountains in the world, I believe, but I just love it. I love being on top of that mountain and seeing the views, particularly in the autumn. So that's my nirvana, right on top of that mountain. I'm right there with you in mountains. I live in Colorado, so I'm surrounded by them. We have like, I think over 50, 14,000 foot peaks. What's the elevation? Give me a sense of how tall that mountain is out there. Well, you won't lose your breath on Monadnock. <laughs> I think it's 3,200 feet, but I've done a few 14ers and I can compare. It ain't the same, Mike, but just as beautiful. Oh, I'm sure it is. I tell you, I went out there for the fall colors on the East Coast a number of years ago, and I was just absolutely stunned at the beauty. It's a beautiful area of the country. You, you do live in God's country, and I can see why you love it so much. I'm a big fan of mountains as well. It's why I choose to live here in Colorado. So thank you for sharing a little bit about yourself. I do appreciate that, Nate. And I'm looking forward to discussing your journey and mission with Orbita after we get back from thanking our community champion sponsor. The need for resilient healthcare professionals who can navigate change in crises is higher than ever before. Traditional education has fallen short of providing the necessary skills for when and how they're needed. Dignity Health Global Education fills the educational gap 
and reimagines workforce development for clinical and non-clinical professionals across the sector. At the intersection of EdTech and custom corporate training, DHGE offers online programs that foster authentic leadership, data-driven decision-making, and entrepreneurial innovation. Developed with CEOs and CNOs, DHGE programs combine industry expertise and top-tier academic knowledge from industry leaders like Duke CE, ASU's Thunderbird, and Pepperdine Grazadio. To learn how DHGE can guarantee an improved ROI on education for your organization, head over to dhge.org or visit the episode notes and click on their link. We are back with Nate Trelor, President and COO of Orbita, and we have a lot to discuss. Nate, thanks again for being with us today. You and the team have been at it now for over six years at Orbita. You're doing great things. Our team over here at Olive, that is my day job. I'm not a full-time podcaster quite yet, but our team at Olive has been very impressed with what you guys are doing in the industry. You guys have been at it for some time, so give us a little bit of that background. How did Orbita come to be? How did the company get founded? And then we'll talk about where things are currently. I know a lot of things have also been changing rapidly because of COVID-19. And we'll also discuss mm-hmm. where things are going as well. But give us a little bit of that journey of how Orbita came to be in the first place. Yeah, it has been almost exactly six years. I think uh, six years on the 2nd of April of this year. So coming up. And it has been quite a journey, Mike, I will tell you. The real story behind Orbita is that when we founded the company, our original message and mission was not quite where it is right now. We've gone through a couple of pivots, but it's not uncommon. You know, startup companies learn as they go, and we learn quite a lot. And we fell into the current incarnation really through a combination of things. One is we had already built some very compelling technology associated with the connected cell. You know, think of the Fitbits and the connected scale. And the technology we had built was able to collect the data from those kind of devices and create analysis and application flow that would allow the users of these devices and other people to basically mine that information and provide value-added services around it very generally. But as we built that technology, we realized we had something that was very applicable in healthcare. And we ended up treating these next-generation devices like these smart speakers, Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant devices as other forms of input. And we realized that by doing so, we had a platform that would allow our clients, our partners to tap into the power and potential of these conversational voice and sometimes chat powered experiences to improve one of the big problems in healthcare, which is patient engagement. How do you reach patients between those episodes of clinical care and do it in a way that is automated, but doesn't lose empathy? So when we started the business, we weren't in that mode. About four, three and a half, four years ago, we really started going after it. And we made a name for ourselves in the voice-assisted, virtual-assisted space in healthcare. We are completely focused on the healthcare market, which allows us to concentrate on those patterns, those use cases that are most prevalent in the healthcare industry. How do you answer questions? Supporting symptom triage, supporting coaching and assessment surveys, and all these variations that are often done by people in call centers, by nurses, clinicians. We are able to do it through the automation of uh, empathetic, intelligent bots. That's our claim to fame. And we'll start talking a little bit about current state and where you are with Orbit and all of that. But Nate, as an industry leader in this space, is this technology still young, not just for healthcare, but just writ large? Is this 
technology still young? Do we still have a long way to go? You know, how reliable is it? For the layperson out there, Nate, where are we in regards to the journey and the cycle of this technology? Yeah, if I would have put it on a scale, on a spectrum, you know, what inning we're in on this from one to nine, I would say we're maybe in the third inning, approaching the fourth inning, not quite to the seventh inning stretch. And the reason I say that is less about whether the technology is there. It's more the applications and the use cases and the awareness of how this technology can be applied. What we've learned over the last few years and what's happened over the last few years is technologies, AI in general, specialized versions of AI like speech recognition and voice synthesis and other technologies like that have advanced so much in just the last five or six years that what was not possible six years ago is very much possible now. And most people who have been using voice recognition technology of late to do things like speak their text messages or interact with any of the kind of devices, like I mentioned, the Amazon devices, Google devices, and others are aware that these technologies have gotten much, much better. So what is happening is that the in the healthcare industry in particular, which is not well known for being on the forefront of innovation generally, they tend to be some years behind other industries. They haven't quite caught up with the power and potential of these technologies. And so that's why I would say from a use case point of view, we're in the third ending. From the technology point of view, well, there's a lot more advanced technologies out there than maybe even that I'm aware of. But we're further along than the use cases, which is one of the most exciting and interesting aspects of being in this space. And why has it been important for you and the team at Orbita to stay laser focused on healthcare, not necessarily being industry agnostic? You mentioned that earlier. Why was that such an important decision and why is that beneficial to the healthcare industry? Well, it was important to us for reasons of focus, just to prioritize where we're going to spend our time. And just like any business, you want to be focused. And it was important for us because we saw very important problems that mattered to us. And I can speak from our point of view of myself and Bill Rogers, my, my, one of my co-founders and our CEO, that we both had personal experiences of being caregivers for aging loved ones and saw the power and potential of this technology to at least simplify the life of those individuals, my parents, my mom and dad in this case. And I saw their ability to work with this technology in ways that they could not use other digital technologies in the same way at all. They were able to use a smart speaker, but they can't use smartphones. They just didn't have the technical chops. So that told me there's real potential here. I also saw how hard it was, even with all the resources that my family has and you know, the education and the proximity to my parents and everything else we had going for us. It was really hard to care for my mother who passed away about a year and a half ago. And all I could think of was, if it's that hard for us and for me and for my mom, what's it must be like for somebody else who's trying to care for somebody on the other side of the country or their parents are alone or they're an only child or whatever. So that motivated us. That's why we decided we're going to really, among other reasons, that we're going to focus on healthcare. And then for our clients, what that means is that, like I said before, what we've built into our technology, into our platform, are those capabilities that are required for this kind of technology to work in healthcare. For starters, we are HIPAA compliant infrastructure from day one. We take security and privacy very, very seriously. 
So this is truly an enterprise-grade solution that we're bringing to the industry. We also have built into it the lexicons, the words and phrases and dictionaries that are required for these kinds of conversational experiences to work in healthcare where the vernacular and terminology are different than other industries. So having that built into the platform upfront simplifies and streamlines deployments. So I would call out those couple of things. And then we've also prioritized very specific solutions, which require certain integrations, like integration with electronic medical records systems, integration with healthcare CRMs and things like that which simplifies and streamlines and speeds up deployments for our clients. And speaking of your clients, Nate, how has the response been? And I'll preface it because I've been in this industry a long time myself, and you're right. We in this healthcare industry, we don't move fast. We don't innovate quickly. Things don't move as fast as I know you and I would like to see as entrepreneurs and, and innovators. But regardless, there are some leaders out there that are adopting these new types of technologies and health systems and clients. What has it been like for them? What's the response been that you've been receiving in Orbita in regards to the use and implementation of your technology? Yeah. Well, first, I'll I'll say that the past 12 months has changed things a little bit. But in many respects, some of the same approaches apply. There's a lot of pilots and pilots that move to production and the usual path of deployment is still prevalent. We're seeing a lot of healthcare systems, I'll speak to that side of the coin for a moment, that have implemented uh, innovation teams. And some of our earliest projects and our earliest engagements came through those angles, those channels. But I would say that particularly chatbots, whether or not they're voice enabled, are becoming much more mainstream. So we're seeing a bit more speed generally over the last few years in uh, adoption of our technology because of the awareness of the power and potential of these agents, these virtual assistive agents. And then the pandemic has really changed the adoption rate and curve for some of our clients, and this particularly for use cases that are related to pandemic response. So we've had, you know, I think in the spring of last year, we had one net new client come to us, and not only did we sign within two weeks, I think we deployed within three weeks of our first contact. I mean, that's really unprecedented. This is unprecedented in this industry, usually where sales cycles can last 12 to 18 months in some cases. So again, caveat, the last 12 months have been a bit different, but we're definitely seeing a faster adoption rate of some of the technologies and solutions we're bringing to market compared to, say, where we were three or four years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm seeing it across the board as well. But let's stay on COVID-19 for just a bit, Nate. Can you describe what the problem has been for our health systems? I know and now there's a whole new piece of the pandemic, and now we're in this vaccination mode. What are the problems specific that Orbita is helping the health system solve with your technology in the face of this pandemic? There are a few, but primarily are related to how do you scale support of patients through the problem of Everything from getting access to information about the virus and treatment, getting access to information about the vaccine, but also operationally, how do you actually schedule vaccine appointments? How do you manage those? And then outreach campaigns is something that's a little bit more recent for us. If you think about these virtual assistive bots, most of them are passive. They're waiting for somebody to come to the website and interact with the bot or interact with it over 
an IBR system. We are doing campaigns where we actually deliver the experience in the form of an initial email, phone call, and or a text message. So that bot, which basically is designed to check in with the patient, is delivered through multiple modalities and uh, has the ability to cascade. So you can start with one, say you send an email, if the patient doesn't respond to the email inquiry, it follows up with a text message and then an actual phone call. And the reason for doing that is just to ensure that the patient engages and responds. So that specific example was a negative COVID test outreach program, bot-driven. And this was back in the, we first did it last summer, and it's still running and it's morphed into a vaccine outreach program. But the idea is that this bot is available to ensure that if you signed up to get tested, that the health system doesn't have to have an army of uh, call center agents calling out people to say that their test was negative. The bot actually does it, and it does it with a high engagement rate to ensure that you know the patients actually are notified. Uh, the vaccine outreach program is a variation on that, still bot-driven, but it's designed to ensure that if somebody has signed up for a vaccine, that it can reach out to them and confirm the appointment and confirm their eligibility to receive the vaccine. Because sometimes a patient will sign up for it and then not be eligible, but they really can't or won't cancel their appointment. And so that slot's gone, highly inefficient. So engagement, making sure patients are actually eligible to receive the vaccine. And then also just simply offloading the call center because these systems are just saturated. They do not have the resources to uh, do the outreach and support those inquiries. So the way we like to describe it is we want a solution that provides automation with empathy. So automation with empathy is really our tagline because the idea here is that it's not just a sterile bot that's just saying, you know, hit three if the answer is yes. It actually engages with the patient and it can be delivered across these different modalities. Well, many people will say, this isn't how it's always been, Nate. This is not how healthcare has always worked. We didn't do it this way. We didn't use bots. Can you explain how it's been received from the patient's perspective? You mentioned that you have a high engagement rate. You know, these are the new waves of reality for healthcare, whether the established industry likes it or not. We have to go there. We cannot sustain where we're at and deliver on what's needed. Like you said, we don't have enough resources. And so we need to start relying on technology and innovation a team like Orbit is bringing to the industry. But can you share the reception from the patient's perspective? How has it been? from the patient and their engagement with Orbita? Yeah, well, I mean, this purely statistically, I shared that, uh, you know, we see much higher engagement rates versus the other methods. And even, I mean, if you go back to a method of just a telephone bank, you know, people making phone calls, never mind the efficiency of that, the probability that they're going to reach that patient in the moment they're making the phone call is quite low. Whereas a bot that's able to send a text message, then an email, and then a follow-up, and it can do it really pretty much any hour of the day and also be available if the patient doesn't pick up that text message until 2 in the morning and it's too late for them to call in and say, yeah, I don't need that appointment. They can at least respond to the bot and say yes or no or interact with the questions that the bot is asking. So it's really about coverage and scale. So to answer your question more specifically about how patients are engaging with it, Before we deployed with this one client that I can think of, they were at an engagement rate of about 30%. In other words, for their outreach program, they reached about less than one in three. 
And after we rolled out, within a week or two, we were achieving almost 80% engagement rates with automation uh, on top of that. So we saved them, I think, something like 13, where we reallocate 13 full-time employees to other tasks while improving the reach and engagement rates. The fact that patients are engaging with the experience suggests that they are open to it. We can actually track how they interact with the bot, too. And we keep them simple, right? You know, we want them to be empathetic and conversational, but we also want to keep it simple. It's not a six-minute conversation, right? You're just trying to get a few pieces of information. Well, thank you for sharing that, Nate. It's exciting to hear some of the feedback that you're receiving from your patients because at the end of the day, those are the ones that we should be serving and building these technologies for, right? So great perspective there, Nate. Now let's talk a little future state. Earlier, you mentioned that you believe we're, you know, somewhere in the third or fourth inning of a nine inning baseball game. Where do you see things heading, not just for Orbita, but for the industry at large? How is this technology and these types of technologies going to evolve and mature? What do you see on the horizon? Again, not just for you and Orbita, but for the industry writ large. Yeah. Well, one of the things I will compare it with is the early days of smartphones. And if you think about the early days of smartphone and health and things like that, you know, iPhone and those kind of devices first came out. What people ended up doing is they would take, you know, an old, you know, the original website and squish it down to the four inch screen and hope for the best. And we found out quickly that doesn't work. In fact, there's, and there's a lot of other assets and attributes of a smartphone that you can take advantage of that aren't available on the static PC web. So without getting too technical, people realize pretty quickly that you need to think differently when you're talking about somebody interacting with a mobile phone. And that was just, you know, the static, click a few buttons and, you know, think about how you would present a website or a mobile app. When you add in conversational agents and virtual assistive technology, I think a lot of people think that they can just take the forms and experience on their website and put it into a conversational bot. It doesn't work quite that way. So part of the reason we're in the third inning is because a lot of people are still learning how to best optimally design these conversational agents and optimally integrate them with some of the existing digital technology. The most common thing to do with bots is put a bot in the lower right or lower left of your website and it just flashes there and you click on it and you can interact with that bot. What I believe is going to happen is these bots are going to be more of a native experience on digital properties, whether it's a smartphone app, website, most of which, by the way, are still are navigated through smartphones these days. About half of browsers and a lot of applications come through smartphones. But I do believe that these virtual assistive technologies and virtual agents are going to be more of a native and intrinsic part of our digital experience, first of all. And that will come in time through the adoption of new platforms and new technologies. We've already seen the rise of smart speakers. So smart speakers are intrinsically virtual assistive, right? They're voice-activated virtual assistants. So that's really the most archetypical view of the future. And as smartphones themselves and other devices become more voice-aware and conversationally aware, it won't be a different kind of device. It'll just be a natural experience that everybody gets used to using. The other thing I would point out, and particularly with voice experiences, is that there's information in what we say in the healthcare context in particular that we can extract from somebody's voice that we can't extract when they're just typing on a keyboard or touching a screen on a smartphone. And particularly for things like mental health, 
you can extract information using the intelligence of AI that suggests, hey, this person may be depressed or this person may be showing early signs of dementia. This person may be showing early signs of a stroke. There's technology that exists now that adds some probabilistic ability to suggest or recommend some action based on a recognition of patterns in people's voice. It's called voice biometrics. And if you talk to anybody in the voice technology space in healthcare, we're all very excited about that power and potential. Setting aside concerns about privacy and security, which some of your listeners may be picking up on, it's really a matter of risk and rewards. When it's somebody who's living alone at home and their only access to help and care is a voice assistant, the voice assistant can recognize through the sound of that person's voice that she needs or he needs help and can notify their caregiver or family. There's value in that. And so we see great potential in these assistive technologies going beyond just the conversation, but being able to be much more not prescriptive, but at least diagnostic, if you know what I mean. Well, thank you for sharing what you see on the horizon, Nate. It's an exciting one and really looking forward to seeing how this space continues to evolve. And with leaders like you leading it, I know we're going to see brighter days ahead. As you mentioned, we're early on in the baseball game and we'll continue to move forward and see these types of technologies continue to positively impact this healthcare industry. But let's bring it back again to current state a bit and let's talk about what we can be doing today to be helping you. So we have an amazing community rallied around this podcast. And so with that, what's one problem need or question that our community here at Passionate Pioneers can be helping you and the Orbita team with? Yeah, well, we are trying to get our message out there, get our our solutions into the marketplace. We're blessed with great partners and great customers. But if you're in the industry and you're looking to partner with us, I'd love to find partners integrators, agencies who are interested in tapping into the power and potential of the Orbita platform to bring uh, net new solutions to market. We are extremely excited about what we're doing, but we're still a pretty small company. Like I said, we've got a good pedigree list of clients and partners, but we're really looking to grow and take this compelling technology and solutions to the next level. Well, the only way some of our community can do that is to be able to get a hold of you, Nate. So where do we find you online, social media handles, <laughs> websites, or otherwise? How do we get a hold of you? You can get a hold of me personally by just emailing me at nate, N-A-T-E, at orbita.ai. And orbita is spelled O-R-B-I-T-A, just like orbital without the L, orbita.ai. That's our website as well. I'd love to hear from your listeners, anybody who's doing work in this area, regardless of where you are in your journey. I'm also on LinkedIn, just N Trelor, first initial last name, and you can find me with that same handle on Twitter. Easy enough. And we'll have all those contact points in the episode notes. So in your favorite podcast player, just simply scroll down and click on through to get a hold of Nate and the Orbita team. Also, all those contact points will be in a post over at passionatepioneers.com where you can leave comments, questions, feedback, ideas, or otherwise for Nate and the team to review over there as well. Again, passionatepioneers.com. Well, thank you for sharing that, Nate. We're going to close it down here so we can get you back to building your company and continuing to move this industry forward. But I have a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because? I believe what we're doing really matters. And I saw it with my parents. I've seen it with our clients. And it's such a privilege to be in doing something that you know is making a difference. So that's where the passion comes from, Mike. I love it. Well said and way to wrap it all up for us here, Nate. I do appreciate it. And of course, thank you so much for taking the pit stop. And you know, I know you're not on the mountain right now. We're having this podcast, but hopefully you can take some time to get out on the mountain and 
out in the wild a little bit and enjoy the outdoors. You have a beautiful area where you live. And also when we can start traveling again, don't be shy. Come on over to Colorado. We'd love to see you here as well. But for now, Nate. Oh, I love it out there. Oh, it, it, would, it, would love to be out there with you. Well, we'd love to host you when it's safe to do so. And uh, we can also, of course, talk about some conversational AI while we're at it as well. But for now, Nate, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I do appreciate it. Look forward to continuing to follow you in the Orbit of Story. But for now, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.